What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. Thank you again for listening. I greatly appreciate it. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app. Today's show, we're going to focus once again on Sunday night's loss to the Minnesota Vikings. As usual, the day after the game, we get to talk to Coach Mike McCarthy and offensive coordinator Edgar Bennett, defensive coordinator Dom Capers, and special teams coordinator Ron Zook. Sometimes they provide some real good insight. Other times, they circle the wagons and say as little as possible. Like Monday night. On to first down, and that would be, what is wrong with the offense? I know me and Keith Rordank talked about this after the game. going to go a little bit deeper here today. Let's, you know, let's just kind of go back in time here. In 2014, the Packers led the NFL in scoring. They did in 2011, too. From 2007 through 2014, Green Bay and New Orleans were the only teams in the NFL to rank in the top 10 in yards both seasons. Through two games this season, Green Bay ranks, drumroll please, 29th in yards, 30th in yards per play, 31st in passing, and 31st in passing per play. That's uh, not good. So Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press Gazette asked McCarthy yesterday if some of this is the hangover from not playing their number one guys in the preseason too much. And, uh, you know, McCarthy, I don't think McCarthy liked the line of questioning here, but we really dig into it here in a bit. I'll I'll read you what McCarthy said. To make one general statement of what's right or what's wrong with any component of football, I don't know how you do that unless you're talking specifically about an individual, maybe a position. There's a lot that goes into the coordination of a player on offense, defense, special teams. Whether it's who played in the preseason, how much they played, who they played with, a lot of those decisions are driven by the medical status of different players. Hey, your training camp is what it is. We went through it. I thought clearly it's one of our most physical and energetic training camps. You evaluate the preseason games along with the practices. That's been done, but it's the real games now. We're not as good as we want to be today, and that's what we fully recognize we have work to do. So part of that question perked up my ears. And a couple other questions were asked. Didn't really dig into that one. But here's a got. This is why I got out of that. It's, um, I got to go back and find it here. Pardon me. It is, oh yeah. The, uh, the, what's right or wrong with any component of football. I don't know how you do that unless you're talking specifically about an individual, maybe a position. So to me, I thought, well, what about quarterback? I mean, that is an individual, that is a position, and it, it, you know, it wasn't affected by medical status of, of the quarterback. So I got a turn and I asked McCarthy, I go, you know, what about Rodgers? And he says, well, if you listen to my whole answer, number one, it's not only who plays, when they play, who they play with, all those things. It's a combination. It's not just one player. To say one player didn't play as many steps, that's your evaluation. I don't agree with it. So this is, I, I follow up with McCarthy again, and I go, hey, listen, you know, 
you said it's who they play with, and Rodgers didn't play with. He didn't play in the preseason, other than two series. So there's not a lot of snaps of him playing with the number one offense in preseason games. And you know, McCarthy doesn't really. McCarthy clearly wants to change his subject at this point. So I think he realizes that we've got it figured out a little bit because there's moving parts to it. Who's in the game? Who's on the other side of the field? And that's the stop it right there. And the next question was asked, and that was essentially it. So I, I didn't think of it at the time. I, I just thought that was McCarthy just maybe thinking that maybe he made a mistake with Rodgers, but didn't want to admit to it. But then I thought about it last night. I was actually going to sit down and write the story for PackReport.com. And I thought, what if he's talking about Jordy Nelson here? Remember, it's it's the who they play with part of the conversation. And because of because Nelson had that, quote, hiccup with the other knee, not, not the surgically repaired knee, but the other knee, you know, before the start of camp, Nelson didn't play. I mean, he played a couple weeks of, of uh, tra- he had a couple weeks of training camp practices, but he didn't play in any of the games. He wasn't clear to play in the, in the games, and so I'm wondering if they didn't play Rodgers because of Nel- because of Nelson not being able to play. I mean, this is, I mean, it's not any great uh, Sherlock Holmes investigation here. I mean, I think we all kind of thought maybe this is what what maybe this is why they were doing what they were doing back then. But to me, maybe it's just confirmation and and really, you know what? Maybe this thing is just going to be a work in progress, right? I mean, look, you know, there's the offensive line change with this with this trade of Sitton, so with the trade of Josh Sitton. So the, your your offense your number one offensive line is is gonna have to get together on the fly. You know, Riders played, I think about we threw nine passes in the preseason in two series. Nelson didn't play in all. Um tight end Jared Cook, the newcomer, remember he missed pretty much all the offseason practices and the first uh and the sort of camp with some minor surgery. Uh, so is it just gonna take some time for this June to get going? Well they better hope so, right? This is what Rodgers said after the game. Well, we are not going to overreact. It has been two weeks. We have not quite found our rhythm. We have some guys that have not worked together a whole lot. And we're going to trust the process and believe that we can get this thing turned around. We have kind of an awkward schedule here. Game next week at home, then a bye, and then three more at home. We're going to have to find a rhythm as we head back home as we have our opener. Hopefully, we can take care of business at home. Well, they better hope this is the case, and they better hope it's just a matter of getting this offense into gear because the alternative is really scary. And that leads us right into second down. And what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? You know, after the game on Sunday, I was in at McCarthy's press conference, and I asked him, you know, I put, you know in light of him having gone now 14 games without a pass rating of 100, what's wrong with Rodgers? And McCarthy didn't really answer that question, or didn't have a didn't have a great answer on the question in the heat of the moment. Well, Jason Wildey from from ESPN and com and ESPN Milwaukee basically asked him the same question on Monday. See if he can get a little bit of bit of a better answer on, on what's wrong with like this is a two time MVP quarterback for everybody, and he looks like he just, you know he doesn't even look like just another guy. He looks like he looks worse than other guys. So. Will they ask McCarthy that the same question basically that I asked on Sunday, hoping for a better answer on Monday? And McCarthy, to quote to quote the first two thirds of McCarthy's answer was blah 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 blah. But then he at least gets into a worthwhile nugget here. Statistics are important, McCarthy said. I think statistics definitely make you look at something, focus on an area and look at it. So I thought that was interesting. 
But then he goes on, but at the end of the day, it's really the message to the team. I'm a fundamentalist. I always go back to the foundation of why we do things and how we do it and staying true to that. Frankly, a conversation Aaron and I, Aaron and I had this year, we're not really worried about statistics. We're not worried about being number one in the league in scoring. This is all about being a well-rounded football team, playing better in the area of balance, the things we need to need to excuse me, the things we need to do a better job of, and it takes all three phases to get this done. We need to win the field position battle every week. We need to win the time of possession battle every week. So all the variables and factors into that, that's what I'm looking for. That's the team that I'm developing because that's what wins when you need to really win. We haven't gotten that done in two weeks. Last night's game was more about the turnover ratio if you're looking to cut the difference between the game. But we've got to do a better job in certain areas, and that's the beauty of today. You have a chance to go through it, dissect it, and lay it all out, communicate about it, and I feel like we've had a good day of doing that. So I thought the part about field position and time of position was really interesting. That they're not looking to score 30 a game. Obviously, they would like to. But they're, they're trying to probably trying to help their defense out a little bit. And, and I'm sure they've done some sort of statistical research to show that time of possession and matters in, in December games. And, you know, that's going to maybe a project I'll do for later today and see if, there's, see if I can find what they're trying to get done there. But so I thought that, I thought that was really interesting. Doesn't really answer the question about what's wrong with Rodgers, of course. <laughs> but it, it was interesting. So anyway, I, I asked Edgar Bennett. You know, Edgar, he'll say fundamentals 15 times in a press conference. So I said, you know, you're a guy who's about fundamentals. Is there anything wrong with Rodgers fundamentally? And, there, you know, there, I, there, it was, it was a, no, a nothing answer, so I'm not going to bother relaying it to you. I'm not sure what's wrong. I don't know if they know what's wrong or if they just figure, you know what, they'll get it figured out because they're good players and you know, the whole preseason stuff that we talked about. But here's the tape. And if stats matter, this is what McCarthy's got to see. Aaron Rodgers is 25th in completion percentage, 30th in passing yards, 31st in yards per pass, and 22nd in passer rating. And that's among the 33 quarterbacks that have thrown enough passes through the first two weeks. And I think it would be the extra guy there is probably Cleveland because they've had two starters. That's 33 quarterbacks. Rodgers ranks 25th or worse in those four numbers. Obviously, this dates to last year, these problems. And I'm not breaking any news here. So before 2015, so this is the 2014 season, Aaron Rodgers ranked number one all-time in pass rating, number two all-time in completion percentage, and number three all-time in yards per passing attempt in NFL history. Now, he's still number one in rating, and he's certainly up at the top in all those things, but... In, in those three categories, he's in the bottom quarter of the league now. It's, it's unbelievable how a guy who can be that great is suddenly that, be, you know, he's, he's not mediocre. He, I mean, he's he's going to have to play better to get to mediocre. It's, it's unbelievable. Now, on the car ride home from, uh, from our layover in Hudson, Wisconsin last night, you know, Keith had two good things. He said, one, he compared Rodgers to a great batter going into an 0-for-25 streak. So that was pretty good, but this was even better. He reminded me about Tom Brady. And I'll go back a couple years. There were calls and people saying that Tom Brady, his best days are done. I mean, what well, he's 40 now, I think. So he was, you know, 37, 38 here a couple few years ago. And there were people saying that Brady was done. I went back this morning and I looked at some of his numbers. During the second quarter of the 2013 season, in other words, games five through eight, he had passer ratings of 52. 75, 54, and 70. 
with two touchdowns and four interceptions in that span. That is bad quarterbacking, folks. In two of those four games, he had completion percentages of less than 50%. Now, he performed poorly to end that season two, including the playoffs, and then to start 2014 as well. He didn't, he didn't play very well for the first like four games of the 2014 season two. But then, he rattled off four straight games with a passer rating of at least 100, and he was at least 90 in 9 out of 10 games. And in those 10 games, he threw 30 touchdown passes and six interceptions. And he's been as good a quarterback you know, since you know the last two-thirds of that 2014 season, all of last year. Brady's about as, been as, about as good as any quarterback in the league, as good as any quarter, or as he's, he's played as well as he's ever played during that span. And now, you know, he's age 40, whatever it is. No one in the world is, is, you know, even with Jimmy Garoppolo playing great, no one's calling for Tom Brady to retire or to make a change there. So I thought those were good points. And we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll see how this passes, how, if, if he can shake this off or if there's, such a, if there's something much, much larger in play here. Rodgers after the game again here. I do not think we are that far off. It is getting back, is getting him back in the mix. Talking about Jordy there. And Jared Cook back in the mix. There are some moving pieces right now. We need to go back and be harsh with our critiques of ourselves, myself included. We need to get better, and I think we will. I don't think this is anything to get super crazy about. This is a tough opponent, a division opponent, and they are a good football team that still needs to come play at our house later in the season. Hopefully, we're in a position to play for something. And you know what? To be in a position to play for something, that's going to be up to Rodgers to become Aaron Rodgers again. And he has not been that way for, you know, if you just want to base it on pass ratings, the last 14. And now I remember talking to Rob Domofsky after the game. We sat next to each other up in the press box. And he said, when's the last game that he played really well? And I thought, you know, the probably the San Diego game in week six, when he had that shootout with Phillip Rivers. And, you know, he thought, what about what about the Carolina game? And now, yeah, yeah, he you know, Rodgers was, Rodgers didn't do much of anything in the first half of the game, but the second half, he was just phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I would say, yeah, you have to go back to the second half of that Carolina game to last time that Aaron Rodgers really looked like Aaron Rodgers. And he's been, he's been terrible. He's been indecisive, um, inaccurate, you know, the five sacks I, you know, because I spent yesterday traveling back, I haven't watched the game again. I need to go back and watch the game and see how many of the five sacks you should really peg on Rodgers. But under, he, he was, he was poor under pressure. I mean, look at the quarterbacks. Sam Bradford under pressure was unbelievably good. I mean, he took some hits in that game. You know, look at the you know the first touchdown pass to the tight end Kyle Rudolph. He just got hammered by Matthews and completed that one for a touchdown. And then uh, he had a touchdown later in the game where Mike Daniels plastered him. He hung in there and made some great passes. And Rodgers didn't. When he got pressured, he he either threw bad passes or got flustered and threw it away. Sometimes I thought that he felt pressure that wasn't there. He just seems uncertain of it all. And I don't know if this dates back to last year where all the calamity around him just really weighed him down and screwed him up. And is he just not the same player? And does he need to get a game, a good game under his belt to get back on track? I don't know. Um, I think we'll get a better feel for this here, you know, maybe after this homestand. You know, give him this game, then he get to buy, then three more home. And let's see where we are after the sixth game of the year. And is Rodgers and his offense getting back to what we thought they should have been? Or is this really the new normal? And to win a game, or for these guys to win important games, it's going to be up to the defense and special teams. This portion of Locked On Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com. Packer Report members get 10% discounts on tickets and gear. Plus, get my exclusive content, such as the famous World's Best Preview Before the Game 
and the Buy the Numbers and Play the Game breakdowns after the game. And if your business would like to reach out to Packers fans, you really should consider sponsoring this podcast, which had unbelievable growth in the past week. Email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com for demographic and pricing information. And you don't know, really email me anytime at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. You know, if you got questions or whatever that maybe I can uh, hit on the podcast, you know, let me know, okay? Love to hear from you. On the third down, and that is the Packers defense, which has uh, been the saving grace for a couple of games. You know, I realize that both uh, Jacksonville quarterback Blake Bortles and, you know, the aforementioned Vikings quarterback Sam Bradford had some, put up some pretty big numbers against the pass defense, but, you know, ultimately it's about points allowed. You know, I, I got into a, a little bit of a Twitter conversation with someone yesterday, and finally I just pulled the plug on it, so it wasn't going to get anywhere. You know, he was mad that his defense wasn't tough enough and it's not good enough. I go, you know, in effect, they gave up 17 points against the Vikings. You know, the offense turned it over three times. You know, really only two because Cobb had the one takeaway right back. But so really, two giveaways, awful field position, and the offense gave him no help. And the defense gave him 17 points and, and stuffed the run. That's good enough to win football games. And if you give up 17, you should win every single time. Whether you got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback or Kevin Cobb or Jay Cutler, 17 should win every game. So, I think the defense is off to a really good start. Obviously, it starts with the run defense. The Packers have given up a total of 78 rushing yards. 78, that's their total. 24 teams are giving up at least 78 per game. So, that's some perspective on that. So, ultimately here, again, it's two weeks. Let's not get carried away here. This isn't, you know, steel curtain two or whatever. But Green Bay leads the NFL by a wide margin with 39 rushing yards per game. And 1.63 rushing yards per carry. Remember, last the last six years combined, they've given up 4.54 yards per carry. So, hey, you don't need to make a math major. 4.54 minus 1.63, that's almost three yards per carry difference. That's unbelievable. Again, it's two games. But Jacksonville's got a pretty decent running game, and I realize they got a break there without Chris Ivory. But, so the Vikings have a fabulous running game. They've had, you know, they lead the NFL by a mile in rushing during the Peterson era, and Peterson is great, and you know, Peterson got almost nothing done against these guys until, you know, Bradford kind of some of those big plays by passing or passing plays by Bradford kind of opened up a little bit for Peterson. Peterson never really got going. I think his long arm was like five or six yards. So did a great job there. And I asked Dom Keepers, well, "What are you guys doing so well on, on run defense?" And Capers said, "Quote: They could always starts out front, or excuse me, it always starts up front. I thought we had some guys who were very active last night up front." Mike Daniels, Latroy Guyon was only in there for a few snaps, but he had a couple of significant plays. Kenny Clark got a lot of action last night, and he did some good things for a young guy. You saw us play Christian Ringo. Dean Lowry played a few snaps. We are working all our young guys in there. Our linebackers, I thought, did a good job. Our outside guys have been attacking and physical. Nick Perry and Clay. Julius, I thought, had a good night. Julius was active in the pass rush, so that was good to see. But I think just being able to attack the blocks, play aggressively, you saw for the second week in a row, we had a number of minus runs, which is always good because it places because it places you want where you want to be down and distance wise. So that's why, uh, you know, they suffered a blow there though. With Latroy Guyon suffered a a sprained knee, and that you know, like I mentioned in the podcast yesterday, that that's a maybe it's a two week injury, maybe it's a four week injury. I mean, you could absorb that if you had depth there, but I mean, we've been harping on this for months. 
in, in, in the three-week history of this podcast, this is, I mean, this is where they don't have depth. I mean, they, they ended the year with, with only two guys who've ever played, and that being Mike Daniels and Guyon, and now you lose one of those guys. So you're down to, really, Mike Daniels, first-round pick Kenny Clark, fourth-round pick Dean Lowry, Dayton Jones, who's really an outside linebacker now, but has been playing a lot of D-line by necessity, and, and even more so now. And I'm, you know, I assume, and obviously Christian Ringo, who uh, Don just mentioned, and you know they have empty roster spots. So I'm assuming Brian Price will get promoted from that practice squad for that spot. That's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of young guys, a lot of guys who haven't really played much. I mean, I realize that Mike Daniels can be Superman, and he was against the Vikings, but he's going to need a lot of help. From from guys who you know haven't been asked to do a whole lot, and it's and soon for now it's going to be the Mike Daniels and, and Kenny Clark's show, and I think Green Bay maybe gets a little bit of a break here because the Lions are on the schedule and they're going to come out throwing the ball, seeking so probably just play nickel the whole game, but which means you're going to run two defense alignments. So maybe they'll get a bit of a break there, but you know those young guys again, Clark and you know really Lowry and Ringo and maybe assuming they bring up Price and those guys. Haven't been asked to do a whole lot, and we're going to find out a whole bunch about them right away. So, it's uh, right now they're going to be it's kind of holding after dear life now. I think on the D on the D line until you know after week four, or it would be after week five, after the fourth game after week five, Mike Pinnell comes back from suspension, and you know maybe by that point Guy is back. So I think for these next couple games, you know, it's everybody's just going to have to. Like, Get by and hope those young guys are ready to go to uh, to hold on the fort. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash List. And finally, fourth down, special teams. I think the the uh, the big item here so far was Jacob Shum's troubles against the Vikings. You know, basically Tim Massey lost his job because of what he did in that playoff game at Arizona in the dome. There, well, here we are in a dome on Monday or Sunday night, and, and Shum did not perform well. Um, you know, we we talked about the Mike McCarthy quote earlier about where. Field position is, is a big key to what they want to get done this season. And, you know, they, they didn't get that done on Sunday, and, and Shum has not flipped the field position where, like, he probably needs to do. You know, if you look at the numbers through two games, Shum's been okay. I mean, he had a couple good punts at Jacksonville, and, you know, at least, at least the Vikings didn't get any return yards on, on Sunday night. So the, by the numbers, he's been okay on, on net punting. Remember, you know, I. Like we talked about back with, with Massey, the only number to me that matters in punting is net average because that is the, the change in field position. And through two games, Shum's net average is 40.3. The league average is 40.0, so he's right there. You know, the problem is, is the opponent net average is 44.0. So for every punt, they're giving up four yards. I mean, I remember that the first exchange of punts of the game, well, it wasn't the first exchange of punts. It was, you know, Green Bay's first drive, the Vikings' first drive didn't go anywhere, and they punted. And then the Packers punted it back. Well, the Vikings ended up with, like, plus 20 in field position based on their, their starting, point, starting point from drive one to their starting point in drive two. The Vikings were plus, they gained 20 yards right off the bat. That's just not good. You know, Green Bay, through two games, they haven't returned a punt yet. 
It's been not they they have fair caught or the ball's hit the ground on every single punt. The only the only exception here is the block punt, which was scooped up a little bit and they got a couple of yards out of it. So you know, so I guess officially they've returned one, but in reality they haven't, they haven't returned a punt yet. I mean, my goodness gracious! And uh, you know, Micah Hyde is his history has been he's a really good punt returner. He had the three touchdowns combined in 2013 and 14, and in those years, only Devin Hester had a better return average than Micah Hyde. So he's got a he's got a track record. But you know, and this is something that that Zook pointed out that you know Micah has been playing so much defense, especially with Burnett going down in the Vikings game that. You know, maybe just out of gas, and, and you saw at the end of that Vikings game that they brought they put Trevor Davis back there, and he, you know the first punt was by the first punt that he was back there for was a lousy punt, and the ball hit the ground and rolled a whole long ways, and the Vikings got a good punt out of it. And you know, I don't think there's anything that Davis could have done there. The punt was just so awful. Sometimes it happens, and the the second back second punt he was back there. It was there was a fair catch there too. I, I just wonder if they need to make a change there away from Hyde, just because. You know, you know, with Burnett's hamstring injury, I don't know if he'll play against the Vikings or against the Lions on Sunday. So we'll we'll see how Burnett is, and and if Hyde has to play a whole lot of defense again, I, I would maybe they need to make a change there to go with someone else. Um, kickoff return, another area where they're, they're not flipping the field position. You know, kickoff returns, it's it's such a small sample size this time of year. It's only two games, and there's so many touchbacks, but. You know, opponents are averaging 28.3 per, per return, and Green Bay's averaging just 17.5. That's almost 11 yards. That's a, that's a whole first down on kickoff returns. And, you know, one of Ron Zook's favorite phrases, and one that they used yesterday, too, is, is you can't buy experience. And special teams is going to be young guys. Just It's just the nature of the beast there. And for Green Bay, it's worse because, you know, two of their core guys are Chris Banjo and J. Ron Elliott. They've been out with hamstring injuries. They haven't played. Jeff Janis, another core guy with a broken hand. He is playing, but I mean, he, he's not as good as he normally is, obviously. And then your last core guy from last year is Dimitri Goodson, who's suspended. So I mean, those are that's four guys with that experience that they don't have to buy, and I think I think that's impacting them. And you know, at least if there's a bright side, Ty, Ty Montgomery's block punt. You know, he had, one, he, had one, he had one against KC as well, in, in, in the preseason, and you know, Zook was asked about that. And he goes, "He's a powerful guy. He's a quick guy." He's quick off the ball. We've got him doing some different things, so it's not always going back to be the same thing. He's got a little knack of it. You find out sometimes that guys have a knack for it. I think 83's got a knack for it. Of course, 83 is Janice, and that opens up some opportunities here, some intriguing possibilities for when Janice is actually Janice again, where you've got two guys who can block a punt. You know, I, don't, I, could, I don't think Janice blocked one last year. I'm trying to remember here. But I know for sure he got close a few times, and he, you know, he blocked a few during training camp. And he's, he's, you know, he's a lot like Montgomery. You know, he's not as he's taller than Montgomery, but he's he's a really strong guy. He's athletic, so that gives him two guys to go block a punt. And I, th- I think you know, in one of the things you can, you know, maybe work those guys side by side and make you know blocking schemes really account for them, or maybe put one on one side and one on the other. I think it gives you an opportunity. To really be creative with that punt block, so I, I think that's something to look forward to going here is uh, down the line. So, and that'll do it for today's episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you again for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, and be sure to check out the rest of the great Locked On Network. It's Packers Lions Week this week, so check out Locked On Lions. We have Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy as well. And please go to my website, PackerReport.com. 
Once again, thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.